Hello, and welcome to the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Today's guest, oh my God, the legend, a guy who I adore, uh, somebody who is really out just to help other people. Brian Colhane, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me on, Michael. Brother, listen, you've got the legacy, you've got the history, you were like here from like when when Moses parted the Red Sea. That's it. You you were at the very first pre-embryonic stage of EXP, but I didn't want to get into that just yet. Tell me how you actually got started in real estate. Yeah, it's a great question. So, and again, thanks for having me on. I mean, I'm a big fan of the show. I'm a big Thank fan you. of you. I'm a big fan of what you're doing. I mean, what awesome. you've been able to accomplish in such a short period of time with this company is just mind blowing. And I know you are literally not only changing the game, but you are literally changing the world, brother. And I and I can just, you know, I can't tip my cap enough to you for that. Listen, uh, don't let that go. It's like, because you and I got to meet last month in person. And I swear to you, it was like everyone sort of says this is a family, but you and I hugged each other like we've known each other all of our lives and we picked up from there. And it was just that close bond, which is impossible to explain to someone who hasn't sort of like gone through it. So to really be able to nurture that now and after we met in person, what you and your family do for others is extraordinary. And thank you for that. Well, thank you, too. And, and us tall guys got to stick together. I know. Right? <laughs> you know, it was so funny. Everyone that met me in person sort of said, oh, my God, you're much taller than you look in Zoom. Yeah, was like, right. well, I got to read Zoom like camera angles. <laughs> well, Zoom is the ultimate equalizer, right? We're all about, you know, uh, six feet tall on Zoom. Same with the cloud office, right? Well, I, I tell Dave, the avatar is the great equalizer. <laughs> <laughs> Although, funny little side story, maybe I'll share it another time. But we used to be able to adjust our heights. And you know Jason guessing, right? So Jason used to have his avatar be seven foot two. So I'd be in the room. I'd be like, that's not fair, Jason. You are not seven two. Get that thing down. So well, uh, my story is uh, long, twisty, and uh, full of- I like uh, long and twisty roads. You know, um, you know, if it's, uh, you know, I'll kind of take us back. And, you know, I'm kind of into, you know, legacy and generational and this and that. We use the term generational income a lot. So I'll take you back to my great grandfather. How about that? And All I'll right. be so my grandfather was a Chicago teacher, um, you know, a great guy, you know, just a hardworking dude. And uh, his son, my grandfather, my dad's dad, um, ended up becoming a, a gold gloves boxer, Notre Dame law professor. He was second in his class ROTC, and he had worked his way up to um, being the president of the Pritzker Family Holding Company. Come on. So by the time he was 52, he was working, which is the Hyatt, you know, the Hyatt company, right? So he was basically uh, the president. Um, my dad was 25. I was two. Um, and then when my great grandfather passed away, my grandfather got in his car to go to the funeral and he slipped on some ice and he crashed into a tree and, and passed away. Come and on. I bring that up because that was kind of the beginning of where I think I was sort of destined to effectively pick up the family tree and put it back on its roots. Right. I mean, he literally knocked over the proverbial family tree. Now, this is back in the 70s. My father was, uh, you know, he was 20 in 1969. He was 
he was he wasn't chasing financial freedom. He was chasing Jimi Hendrix, and he was following. <laughs> he wasn't following Grant Cardone. He was following the Grateful Dead. And so, uh, you know, great father. Ama- I had amazing parents. Um, they were there. You know, how do you spell love? T I M E. I had nothing but time, attention. I mean, they poured into me, but financial security did elude them. So as a, as a young kid growing up in the North Shore of Chicago, where, you know, very affluent neighborhood, uh, surrounded by wealthy families, um, we were not part of that group. So we were on the other side of the tracks. You know, I was kind of a blue collar kid in a white collar neighborhood. But, uh, but my parents did well. They kept me in the, in the neighborhood. You know, uh, people always say, uh, you know, we moved around a lot. And they always say, uh, you know, to bring this back to real estate, they always say, uh, well, were you, were you a military kid? Were you a, an army brat? And I said, no, my parents were just renters. <laughs> so parents, uh, young parents out there, buy homes. It's much easier on your kids, right? So, um, so that kind of got me going, you know, in Chicago. I was uh, always kind of a hustler. I was, uh, you know, I had to uh, wait tables, carry golf bags. I was, uh, you know, if it had steel toe boots and a shovel, I got the job, right? And, um, you know, and I ended up playing college basketball. So I went and played around a couple different Division ones, Division twos, and um, and then I started to kind of get introduced to sales. Uh, yeah. When I graduated college, I went to work for my first job was at an architectural, engineering, and environmental due diligence company. All right. So I didn't even know what that meant, and I still really <laughs> don't. It just you know it doesn't fit very good on a business card. Uh, but I literally was like, it was one of those. You know, the, the boss, the big corner office, he said, hey, here, son, here's a phone. Here's a phone book. Start selling. And I was like, what are we even selling? You know, and basically what is a, a due diligence? It's basically glorified inspection reports for commercial properties, right? So it was okay. the phase one environmentals. It was the PCRs and all that stuff. So I did about a couple of years there. I did well enough to be recruited into a commercial real estate trade magazine. Again, sales job. I was selling advertising to commercial real estate developers, REITs, um, insurance companies, you know, uh, public employee unions, you know, basically anybody that was investing in real estate, you know, I was trying to sell them an ad or, you know, and effectively here I was in Chicago, you know, still kind of, you know, struggling, not, not really making a lot of money. And I, effectively, I was kind of like a glorified paper delivery boy, right? I would run around all the skyscrapers and hand deliver uh, 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 newspapers to guys and gals that were building skyscrapers. And so that got me my start. I started to get a taste for real estate. I remember going to these, uh, you know, they have these big, like they take out the whole floor of like the Sears Tower and they'd rent it out or whatever, right? And they'd have these big parties and they'd bring in all these ice sculpture, you know, and all this cool <laughs> stuff. And I was like, I want to do that, you know, exactly. I'm a broker. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, so eventually I got sick of the cold weather. Um, after about 27 winters, I threw all my clothes into a hefty Sinsack, uh, jumped in with a buddy. We rolled out to Arizona and uh, I was, I think I was collecting unemployment. Um, thought I was going to maybe go uh, take a wait, job. Wait, wait, wait. Why Arizona? Why Arizona? You just throw, throw a dart on a map? You know, I always wanted to go out west. You know, yeah. I always wanted to be in a warm weather climate. Even when I was in college, um, you know, I wanted to play out in California or Arizona. Um, yeah. My parents used to live in Tucson when I was really okay. little. But, you know, I don't know. It just sounded warmer than Chicago, I guess. And it is. <laughs> it's a little and bit. And it is. <laughs> yeah. So got out here, 
again, sleeping on a blow up mattress with my, with my, in my buddy's uh, uh, spare bedroom and, um, you know, said, well, what am I going to do now? And, and I actually met two very important people during that time. The right. first person I met was my future wife, Christy. Yes. Um, and I met her and that's a whole nother story. We can maybe share that on the next, uh, at the next event we're at together. I'll share that story with you. But then I realized here, I, I just met this beautiful girl. Um, you know, I had to get serious, right? I had to start, um, you know, making some moves and, and, and figuring things out. And I also realized I wanted to stay in Arizona, right? You know, yes. I wasn't even, wasn't even sure. And so I, um, and I, and then I went to real estate school. So, so the other person I met while I was in real estate school was Glenn Sanford. Wow. And, Wait, uh, you met in real estate school? Yeah. So, well, I didn't meet him in real estate school, but I was in real estate school got when it. I met Glenn. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. So, basically, I was, so again, I got my real estate license and like most real estate agents, I didn't know what I was going to use it for. Sure. Right. What do you, you know, I got my license. Now, what am I going to do? Right. And so I started interviewing with some commercial real estate firms. Um, that, that's where all my contacts were. Those were all my relationships. Um, but of course, in the commercial world, and as we just had our first, uh, you know, as we just launched EXP Commercial now, um, uh, you know, you know, it's a it's a tough racket. You know, those guys and gals are serious players. Um, you know, and it's, it's a completely not, different skill set. And, and not anyone can just it's not like it's an entry level situation. Yeah, right? Not at all. You, you got to be an earner. It's literally you got to. You got to fabricate deals out of thin air, right? right? So, so, but I, you know, I thought, well, that's cool. But I was also looking at, you know, Craigslist ads. So one of the Craigslist ads that I was looking at was a gentleman out of the Pacific Northwest. And he was looking for a team leader uh, to be the, the uh, basically run. He had built a really high performing lead generating website and he needed a team leader and that was Glenn Sanford. So literally while I was in real estate school, he offered me the job to be the team leader of his top ranked website. So you met Glenn Sanford through Craigslist. Absolutely. Basically. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I just right. got the title of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, I mean, and again, you know, if you think about it, you're in real estate, I'm in real estate. We deal with a lot of real estate agents. I mean, I don't know what, I was thinking taking a team leader position while I was still in real estate school. I mean, I don't know right. how many people would even have considered that. I well, think let's flip it. I don't know what Glenn was thinking hiring you while still being in real estate school. Let's flip that one. Right. I mean, that's true, right? You know what he says? I always right. ask him that, or you know, over the years I've asked him, and he said, Brian, I like that you played sports and I like that you had no bad habits. How did he know that? He hadn't met you. Yeah, well, I don't know if he meant like uh, you know, these kind of habits, but <laughs> I think he meant like I didn't have like 20 years of real estate. Oh, got it. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. yeah. I had a few bad habits. I, you didn't I, have to be untrained to be trained. Correct. He was, uh, he recognized that he could mold me. Right? right, 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 right. All right. So now you met Glenn Tamford, right? Now you're yes. working for him. He's a team leader. Is this where this was back at KW? 2004, 2005. Yeah. This is, but this was at yeah, KW. He had just left Prudential and had started a couple teams. So Glenn went from like zero teams to six teams. So he didn't wow. just start one team and go, okay, this is good. Now I'm going to start two teams. Now I'm going to start teaching. He literally read the MRE, you know, Millionaire Real Estate Agent book, the Red Book. Yeah. And he goes, well, everyone's, Glenn has always been like, a, you know, he used to say things like, if it ain't broke, break it. Yep. You know, he still does um, say that. <laughs> are you going big enough, right? Uh, how big is your why? You know, all that. So he'd always kind of put his finger in your chest and be like, 
you're not thinking big enough. You're not thinking. Big enough. So he was taking his own advice. And I think he had started literally simultaneously went from zero teams to six teams in six cities overnight. So, so I was just fortunate enough to be the one Phoenix team leader. All right. Now take me through. Now we're going through and it's, it's now, you know, we're going through the tough times in our, in our industry, right. With the yep. recession and everything. And now we're sort of thinking, okay, now it's 2009. How does the idea come about that was the birth of EXP? Because you were there. Oh, yeah. Front row seat. So, yeah. so all right. So, we did Keller for about three and a half years, and we did right. really well, right? Those were kind of the, the old golden years. You know, I remember people used to say, list it and forget it. You know, it's going to sell automatic. You don't even have to market the property. I mean, things yeah. were we were smoking. We generated over a billion dollars worth of leads in the first couple of years. As a, wow. he had the most top-ranked websites of anybody, right? In every market we were in, Glenn was like, you know, he was cracking codes. He was breaking algorithms, right? He knew how to do all that stuff himself. And so, um, you know, in 2008, we left Keller and we actually started uh, a brokerage before EXP called Buyer Tours. Yes, and all of our leads were very buyer-centric. You know, internet, you know, 99% of leads on the internet are buyers. So, so we had a whole like, you know, follow-up protocol, a lot of neuro-linguistic programming that, that Glenn would bring to the table. So, so we were converting a higher volume of the buyer leads than your average agent. So that's what we kind of based our model around. And we, we got sick of paying, you know, all that extra money to the, the red company. And, uh, and, and unfortunately for, for, well, fortunately for us, unfortunately for them, uh, profit share never delivered either, right? So, so we left and we launched buyer tours. And again, this is eight, now he's up to eight markets. So again, he got eight offices, he hired eight brokers, he filled them up with equipment, machines, admin, so everything times eight, right? And we had teams and all the websites and all those costs. And, and we, we actually were doing well for the first six months of 2008. And then uh, right around October, maybe November, you know, fell off ledge, market crash, housing bubble burst, credit crunch. I mean, everything happened. Glenn called it the perfect storm or the white squall, right? I mean, we just got smacked in the face. Yeah, uh, everybody lost fifty percent of their net worth, their home values. I mean, it was it was a dark, dark time for everybody, and that was really sort of the genesis of what became. You know, he basically called an emergency team meeting. He got all the leaders together here in Tempe, Arizona. He said, listen, folks, it's going to be bad, and it's going to be bad for a while. And you and me are like optimists, right? I'm a total optimist, dude. I'm like, it's going to be okay, right, Glenn? Like, we'll be back in business in a couple weeks, right? He's like, more like years. You know, I was like, no. So, So that was kind of the beginning. And so... If you know Glenn, I know you do, but if anybody out there knows Glenn, you know he is a maven for not just personal improvement stuff, but like business literature, management literature. You know, I mean, the guy just reads more books. He absorbs more information than any other human on the planet, probably. And uh, so one of the things he figured out was this idea of, they back then, they didn't even have the term cloud office. Like cloud was not even a thing in 2008, 2009. What they used to call it was a 3D immersive, collaborative office environment. Wow. So again, that doesn't fit very good on a business card either. <laughs> so, so he found these technologies, these platforms that we could all start to meet together. Because keep in mind, again, it's 
He's in six or seven cities all over right. the country. And, and Glenn realized, look, if I don't travel to this one market, they struggle. You know, he was spending tons of money on all this infrastructure and logistics of getting around the country. And he's like, there's got to be a better way to manage everybody on a daily basis than, than the manager having to travel, right? Sure, sure. So he brought this kind of, you know, the precursor to the cloud office to the table and we started meeting in it every day. So here, you know, because we were more loyal to Glenn than we were to whatever brokerages we were 100%. at, right? Because Glenn was the rainmaker, right? He was the visionary. And I was just, you know, I've made a career out of surrounding myself with coaches and masters, soaking up their information and then implementing it, right? Yep. So or as much as I could, right? Right, right, so, right. Um, so Glenn, uh, you know, he's having us meet. And the other thing he really liked about, you know, the model we had left was they had some form of residual income. Yeah. Because again, the MRE book is all about building a seven level business. Well, yes. a million dollar business, it's not gross a million in sales. You know, it's not, you know, uh, whatever, right? It's, it's having a million a year in passive income. That's right. So that's actually the seventh level of the, of the MRE book, right? Um, Glenn actually says he might be one of the first agents to ever achieve the seventh level of the book. He just had to leave that company to do it. Uh, but so, um, but I digress. So yeah, so here we were meeting every day, going over stuff. There was a little twist in there where he was being courted by some other big brokerages. Um, you know, uh, people were offering stuff to come be the CTO. They were offering him stock options. And, you know, but if you know Glenn, you know, he's an ultimate manifester. He's always called himself, you know, if you even look at his Twitter handle that he's had since Twitter came out, it was always CEO Glenn. So I don't think he wanted to go be some chief technology officer. I don't think he wanted to go be, you know, he would say he's, he learned very early on in his life. He was a very terrible employee, right? That's right, right, right. That's why he's the ultimate entrepreneur. He wanted to build it. He wanted to do his own thing. Yeah. And so, you know, we obviously were like, Glenn, do your own thing. Come on, whatever you yeah. know. And by the way, I didn't want to go be like Agent 2000, right? I was exactly. like one or two guy. So we all kind of said, hey, why don't we do our own thing? And, you know, this and that. And so he literally disappeared for like four days, and which was unheard of. Um, you know, you could always see Glenn online. Our original, original cloud office, now that I think about it, was... Um, do you remember those old Yahoo chat? Yeah, of course I do. So the, like the little emojis yeah. and you have your little yeah. friends, you could chat with each other. I'm older than you, Brian. I remember them. So that's what we used to stay connected. So you could always know where Glenn was. He could always keep tabs on you. And if he was ever away, he would just put busy. Well, here he was dark. Like he wasn't even logged in for days. And I'm like, oh, no, he's taking Something this happened. other. Yeah, he's taking this other job. Or I'm looking at my wife. I'm like, oh, no, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And he literally came back. And speaking of like Moses, you mentioned Moses earlier. It was like Moses coming down from Mount Sinai with the golden tablets. And he literally calls me and he goes, Brian, I want to show you something. I go, what's that? And we used to use Google Docs and he'd pull up a spreadsheet and he's collaborating his shit. He's walking. And, he, and by the way, Glenn is like the spreadsheet genie, right? I mean, I guy, he thinks in like 3D spreadsheets, right? So he's like, mind maps. Totally. And he's like, I want to walk you through this. And he starts showing me the seven level rev share model that he created. And I was just like, this is it. And he goes, Brian, we're going to do our own thing. Wow. Wow. And that was it. That was it. That was the beginning. What year? 2009. Probably now we're getting close to 2009, uh, towards the middle part of 2009. So by 
probably October of 09, we were ready to launch and we opened up EXP Washington State. He took 10 agents out of Bellingham, 10 agents out of Seattle. And so we opened up with 20 agents in Washington State. Jesus. And then the next month, I took 20 agents out of the brokerage we were at and we launched EXP Arizona. Wow. Okay. So now you're literally, you're in from like day one, pre-embryonic day one. For sure. So how do you, at what point, at what point do you realize, holy shit, we've got something here? Well, all right. So I was always the guy that said, stick this out. Don't yeah. leave. This is going to work. I mean, I, you could ask Jason. I mean, I had some meetings with him, Dave Harbor. I mean, all these guys, you know, we, everybody would get second thoughts. Is this going to work? What's going on? And I was always the guy that like, stick with it, stick with it, yep. stick with it. But even I had a couple moments of weakness and some moments of doubt. Um, I'll share this story with you. This might help. So in, two so in 2013, when we went public, yep. so that would be the third sort of, you know, game changer, right? The first one being cloud officing, the second one being seven tiered gross commission based revenue share. Yes. And then the third one being being a publicly traded company and offering agent stock, right? Right. So, so that happened in 2013, but it wasn't really to 2015 that we were giving stock awards and sort of, you know, started to attract some major talent. I mean, we were, you know, back then we would take anybody that would, you know, invest $10,000 to open a state or that yeah. could fog a mirror. You know, we were getting a lot of orphaned agents, right? I mean, the, the, the business, everybody was getting out of the business, right? Let's sure. be honest. So we were taking whoever was sticking around and, you know, they were just getting, you know, jettisoned from whatever brokerage was closing at the time. And yep. so it wasn't until about 2015 when, um, so I'll, I'll, I'll paint this picture. So I always use the metaphor of, you know, the gold rush in San Francisco, right? It was what, uh, 1849. Right. Yeah. The 49ers. Right. Yeah. Well, there's a guy who lived on a farm called Sutter's Mill and it was where they discovered gold on this farm. Right. You know, there's gold in their hills. Right. And so um, so I was the old man Sutter sitting <laughs> on this model because the model's always been the model. Right. I mean, the revenue share model's always been the same. Right. We haven't yeah. changed this model much at all. Right. And so. But I just didn't understand like how big of an opportunity I really had in my hands until Gene and Rob showed up. Okay. When Gene and Rob showed up, now one of the guys was one of the top, you know, recruiters in the world for, for the other company. And his partner was the guy who built the whole thing. Right. So, so these two guys came out of retirement. I ran into him at a shareholders event up in Bellingham and it was just like lightning bolt. And you know what I realized? I said, I'm sitting on a gold mine. These guys and gals are going to come, they're going to tunnel under my feet and they're going to take all this gold out, whether I stick my shovel in or not. So that was probably because I've been, the, I was the first president for three years. I was the chief culture officer. You know, I was always there. You know, we ran all the committees. We did all the education. We taught all the classes. I mean, we used to have a thing called Education Thursdays. And it was literally Glenn, Jason, me, Gabe, Kirk, you know, John Lincoln, you know, a few of us teaching a class. So we just, whoever could teach a class was teaching a class that day. Right. So now obviously we've got what 80 hours worth of live training every week. Every single week. Yeah. Yeah. So, but back then it was just kind of like all hands on deck. Sure. And so I was doing a lot, helping everybody else recruit. I was doing all the weekly presentations, the explains everything. And then these guys and gals came over and they were like, we're just going to start, you know, taking some of this, gold out of the ground yeah, you right. Don't mind, right Brian you're not shoveling it you don't care and I was like whoa 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 what's happening like right. who just came over like what 
So that's kind of when I retired, you know, or I shouldn't say retired, but I, but I left the corporate life and I really just started focusing on, um, you know, building my organization. And it was sort of like that analogy was pretty, pretty apropos was, you know, um, I was literally sitting on a gold mine. I didn't know it. That's extraordinary. So, and that actually might be your answer to my next question, which was, what's the greatest lesson you've ever learned in your career? Greatest lesson. So I'll take this back to when I first got hired. You know, Glenn said to me very early on, he said, Brian, uh, most people are not afraid of failure. They are afraid of success. And when they get close to it, they self-sabotage. So basically, he taught me to get the F out of my own way. Yeah. I love that one. I love that one because that's really true. And, you know, I came close (laughs) lots of times. But, you know, you know, Glenn, he's super patient. I mean, he is, uh, is cerebral and, and yes. dispassionate as, you come, as it comes. And, um, you know, he just stuck with me and let me learn and grow. And, you know, I was just loyal and trusting. And, um, you know, and I was his run through a brick wall guy. You know, whatever he told me to do, I did it. And you've been very well rewarded because Absolutely. of that sort of thought Absolutely. and process. So tell me about, so here, here's three what would be three things you would tell somebody coming into the industry today? Just the industry, because you've been through the bad part of it. Yeah. You've created a company from scratch. You've been through the lean years. And now we're on the other side of that. What are the three lessons that you would tell somebody? One, find people that are doing it at the high level that you can pattern, mimic, and, and, and sort of copy, I don't like to say copy, but you know, pattern and mimic yourself after, you know, seek out the best and get in the same room with them. Okay. Number two, though, is you got to implement what you learn from them. Because, you know, being around successful people is great. But if you don't actually put that stuff into place. And number three is do something. You know, I, I'll, I'll use a better uh, little anecdote. I had uh, one of my favorite coaches over the years is a gentleman named John Foltz. He's like a local legend here in our Arizona. He, he shared this lesson with me very early in my career. He said, you know, his dad was an engineer, wanted him to go into engineering school. He said he was going to go, uh, go, go out to Arizona and become a real estate agent. He might have told, might as well told his dad he was going to be an ax murderer. Right. And uh, so his dad did so, doesn't say anything uh, until he's packing his car, getting ready to drive. He, he also grew up in Chicago. So he's getting ready to drive out to Arizona. His dad comes down and he goes, son, I just have one bit of advice for you. If you do something and it works, keep doing it. If you do something and it doesn't work, stop doing it. The only way to fail is to do nothing. Wow. That's actually really powerful. I like that. It's so simple too. I mean, so think about, but, but why is that important to real estate? Think about how many people in real estate get ready to get ready or That's they right. need more training or more accreditation or more letters after their name or any more classes or someone needs to show me what to do before I do anything. And it's like, just go know, do it. Go do it. You know, if you want to learn how to swing a golf club, you know, pick watch, yeah, pick one up. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. That's that's actually awesome. All right. So listen, this this whole you said you were the, the, the culture officer, too, in the beginning. I was one of the bo- most beautiful things that I love about EXP is really the culture. Yeah. And it is that sense of family. And, you know, and now I've been 
now that we're sort of doing this on such a global scale, right? It was like, I know that you uh, were there in, in Cabo and I did it at uh, the shareholders uh, speech really recently. It's the idea that this has all become much larger than any of us. It is now a movement that happens on its own, right? Yeah. And so we're just responsible for just helping as many people as possible. And one of the core values is philanthropy in this yeah. organization. And it's because a lot of this, you know, Glenn's made a lot of millionaires in, yes. in this organization. And so because of that, there's also a huge amount of responsibility of giving back. Yes. And I know that you and your whole entire family have been amazing with that. Share with me a little bit about those efforts. Yeah, I mean, obviously the company is doing so many amazing things. I mean, we're building sustainable homes in third world countries and, and, and you know, environmentally stricken countries. And I mean, they're just doing some really awesome stuff. We have all kinds of initiatives, local, global, regional. Yeah. Uh, on a personal level, um, something that's really important to us is I'm a big fan of getting into real estate. You know, this was something that was never taught to me in high school. It's not a career path they talk about in college. You know, it's almost like nobody talks about getting into real estate, right? It's, yeah. it's almost like a, you fall into it or you, you, someone talks you into it, but they never teach it or discuss it in sort of traditional academia. And so, you know, even just getting your license, yeah, sure, come to EXP, do all that, but even just having your license to do your own transactions in your own life, right, is going to be so valuable. Yeah. So um, I started a thing called the Colhane Excellence Academy. Um, for the last three years, my wife and I um, have been giving out scholarships to get people into real estate school. So I think we've given out over 50 scholarships, and I'm not raising money yet. I'm not doing charity events to raise money. This is yeah. out of our own pocket. And so we are, you know, we have successfully put a number of people into the real estate game. And it's just amazing to me. And I'm talking like the nail tech at the spa, the Uber driver. You know, yesterday alone, I brought, uh, I had lunch uh, with a guy who was a, uh, you know, a finance director for, for car dealership. Yeah. So I was meeting with him. Um, I recruited the waitress and then the valet guy on my way out. And I gave all three of them scholarships. And they all were all in. I mean, within like two seconds, they were like, oh my God, I go, have you ever thought of real estate? They go, I've never thought of it, but I should, right? Yeah. And so, and the, to me, that's just like, yes, I like helping, um, you know, the Cardones of the world and the Tarka Mooses of the world and the Michael Valdez's of the world. But, I, but I, I much, you know, just from a, you know, where do you see your greatest impact? Where does it, you know, you get the most meaning and the most uh, satisfaction in what I do? It's seeing being able to help cultivate a success story and someone who really, you know, is at the, at the very, very beginning. Right. I love that. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. Thank so you. define success for me now. Sure. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Great question. Well, again, I mean, there's the sort of cliche success is what it, what it means to you, but, but I would say honestly, success is, I can use one word. It's freedom. Yes. You know, having freedom, financial freedom, time freedom, uh, uh, pain freedom. You know, we don't talk about, I mean, people do, but, you know, I do. But, you know, this sort of like being free from pain, like pain of, you know, mental pain and physical pain and emotional pain and spiritual pain. But really, that's, that's where also we do a lot of work, too, because as a, as a sale, you know, as a trainer, as a coach, 
as a recruiter my whole career, you know, a team leader. Something I realized a few years ago was I was doing it wrong, you know, and I'd be, I was kind of like, you need to grind harder. You need to wake up. You need to get going, man. You're not pushing hard enough. And, and if you ask me, like, what is the essence of sales in any industry? I would say it's, you know, you're really asking somebody to go out and make friends with strangers. Are That's you right. And, and if, you know, I've, I've had some health issues. I broke my hip in 2011. And if it wasn't for EXP and the revenue share, by the way, I wouldn't even be still in the business. So broke my hip, couldn't walk for nine months, caused all kinds of problems with me and my health and my sort of a cascading health crisis. I was on and off opioids for five years that wrecked my hormones and my endocrine systems. And, and so as I've been digging out and going down this biohacking, you know, sort of rabbit hole that I've gone down, by the way, I'm down 75 pounds. I'm, I'm running Spartan races. So I'm, I'm doing okay. Amazing. But, but, um, but one of the things I realized was a lot of this stuff's chemical. So for example, and it's hardwired. So for example, like we are hardwired as humans to fear strangers. Okay. Um, it's a biological safety mechanism. Your body get, you get a cortisol spike, you know, you get all kinds of chemicals start flushing through your body. Look no further than being on an elevator with 10 strangers. Yeah. Right? You just time stand still and you're pushing the button and you're like, what is this thing? And you know, you're in there for 30 seconds, but you feel like it was, you know, an hour. Right. Yeah. And so that's biological. Well, here I am asking my sales team to go out and make 20 new friends today. Right. Hey, Michael, just go knock on 20 doors. Come on. What's wrong with you? And you're getting there going like, you're like, Brian, I don't even want to get out of bed. Like <laughs> I don't even want to look myself in the mirror. Like I, I hate the way I look. I hate the way I feel like I don't even, you know, I don't have that kind of energy. So I've really flipped my whole coaching program around where now I really go deep on helping people, um, you know, first of all, get their mindset right, you know, start to, you know, take on sort of that law of attraction and yes. you know, mental hygiene stuff and just, you know, speaking their words into existence, getting clear on their purpose, their mission. And then we work on their energy levels. So maybe we'll have you jump in some ice water. Maybe we'll have you run barefoot through the desert or maybe we'll you're have doing to- that little sort of cold plunge thing, aren't you? I'm definitely doing the cold plunge thing. And, uh, and it saved my life. Wow. You know, it's, it's improved the quality of my life. It's, it's allowed me to elevate my vibration levels. And so, so to me, if you were to ask me, what's the one thing everyone should work on? It's you need to work on yourself. Yes. It's so right? true. Yeah. Work it's on yourself so and everything else will take care of itself. It's so true. You know, it's sort of like, so talk to me about motivation. What motivates you now, right? It's sort of like, so, you know, we've gotten to a point now where you're, you, you were there in the very beginning and this has been some ride. So I'm assuming money's not an issue right now. So tell me what motivates you. Yeah, well, it's the, it's the drive. You know, I guess it's, it's hardwired, right? I, yeah. uh, you know, I'll take it to, t- we were both at the 10X Growth Con in Miami, sure. right? And I was sort of, you know, I was being a little beat, right? I was starting to check out. I was starting to say things like, well, I don't want to work. You know, I don't want to make so many calls and my throat hurts and I'm sick of talking all the time and I don't need this. I got a hundred million dollars. What do I need to do that for? Right. And, uh, and then I'm in growth con and it was like one speaker after the next, yes. you know, Glenn's working on his third billion and this and that. And, you know, and I'm like, and, and there's like, you know, 60 and 70 year old, like billionaires up on stage going, I'm starting a new company and I'm running yeah. over my ultra marathon and I'm sitting in the front row, like, Oh my God, I'm being the biggest wimp. You know, uh, I'm totally checking out. 
you know, I'm 46 and I'm acting like I'm, I'm 96. Yeah. Right. And so I made a commitment. I looked at my wife, I said, you know, um, I got to get back all in. I'm letting everybody down. I mean, it was kind of like a replay of uh, 2015 where, you know, uh, Rob was saying, you're, you know, you're holding everybody back because if you can't do it, nobody can. Right. And so I realized I needed to continue to elevate and, and, and really in order to allow my agents to be able to point to me and go, that's, that's the rock in my corner. Yes. Right? So I'm now, I, for me, me being successful isn't enough. It's how can I create enough success throughout my, 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 my network? Because if I'm the only one successful, or if you and I are the only guys that are making it, you know, then this model doesn't work. That's right. That's right. And that's the whole core of this. It's the idea that you're supposed to share this with others. You know, that's, what, that's what's like my passion now. When I saw that this worked, and I've only been here a year, when I saw that this worked and I saw every time that I come up, it was a story you just shared about your hip operation. It was a story that somebody, every single time I'm with Glenn or Jason or Jeff, and anytime that there's an event where there's EXP agents around, and inevitably somebody will come up and sort of say, you changed my life to one of these three guys. And so that is something that you can't put on a PL. That's something that you cannot put on a financial statement. That is so powerful where you actually change someone's life. Yeah. You know, I used to say this as a kid or, you know, a young, a young adult, you know, people would always say, and I don't know where I picked this up from, but I, I just started saying this all the time. I'd say, you know, if I could, if you could be at your funeral and, and, and go through everybody in there and say, you know, has your, is your life better off? for having known Brian Colhane or Michael Valdez, if it, as it, or if you hadn't met him. You know, I would like to have everybody at my funeral say my life was somehow improved for having met that guy. Yeah. That's a great barometer. Yeah. That's a great barometer. Yeah. I've got one final question for you. In your book of life, what's this chapter called? This is called the... Stepping out of the cave. All right. <laughs> because, uh, you know, I'm uh, well, so I've got my, my Plato complete works back here, right? So Plato had the allegory of caves. Okay. So the allegory of caves was this metaphor of how, you know, you're sort of born in this dark, ignorant kind of cave. You know, everything you know is cave life, right? And it's dim lights and it's, you know, crunchy, dirty, gross, you know, whatever, and, you know, moldy water and moldy bread. And, and then one guy escapes and he steps out and he sees the light and the smells fresh air and the colors. And, and then of course, what does he try and do? He tries to run down to the cave and tell all his friends time to come out with me. And of course, what do they think? He's, he's crazy. crazy. Yeah. He's crazy. No, no. And then, as a matter of fact, they don't even think you're crazy. They try and keep you back. In the, we can't let you hurt yourself. They keep you in the cave. So sort of that. It's so nice that I finally stepped out of the cave. And I've, and I've, and I've literally, you know, I mean, I've spent, well, I have a, a business mentor named David Bernstein. Uh, he's a friend of ours. And, and he's been helping me throughout the years. And he, he had a funny line. He said, Brian, after 40 years of digging ditches, you're an overnight success. <laughs> That is fantastic. Brian, I got to tell you, my friend, you and I are new friends, but I feel as though I've known you all my life. And you are one of the most generous souls that I've ever met. 
And it is something where from the beginning, your entire family, that trip to Miami with your wife and your brother, and it was just, it was just family. And you just included everyone into it. And so I felt like a call hang. So well, you are a brother for, for me, dude, brother from another mother. And, uh, you know, and that is also a testament to this model because, you know, I mean, you know, if you're not a good person, if you don't come from a, a place of service and a place of, you know, um, you know, helping others, then, uh, you know, you're just not going to, you're not going to make it here. So true. It's so you know, true. So the fact that you're in the position you're at, you know, right there, that says everything about me because there's no way Glenn, Jason, you know, all these guys that I've been working with for 15 years and, you know, all these people, these amazing people that have come into our orbit, there's no way a guy like you gets to where you're at if you're not like awesome. Well, listen, it's sort of like this has been an incredible, incredible experience. And thank you for who you are and what you do in the world. And it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much, my brother. Yes, sir. Thank you, all of you, for listening. This has been the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. <laughs>